You're listening to Transplaner RPG, an all-transgender, people-of-color-led, dark-fantasy actual play channel set in an original non-colonial, anti-orientalist multiverse. The Chaos Protocol is our second main campaign and stars Valiant Dorian, Kai Kay, and Sam Starr as players, with C. Thomas as the producer and Connie Chong as the game master. Transplaner RPG is sponsored by Explain Trade, a negotiation skills training consultancy whose director, Dimitri Opines, has asked us to say, and I quote, Please sign up for Transplaner's Patreon, because at some point people will figure out he's a cisgender white guy failing upward, and then he'll be too broke to sponsor us. We love you, Dimitri, and thank you so much for supporting our work. Arc 2 is proudly sponsored by HeroForge, a free online character design application that lets you make and order your very own custom TTRPG minis. Their character creation tools are rich and deep, with facial customization, animal companions, action poses, spell effects, hundreds of clothing options, and nigh infinite color choices. Get a color printed mini, unpainted premium plastic, bronze minis, color standees, or even your very own digital STL files for printing at home or use in virtual tabletops. To see their tools in action, go to HeroForge Minis on Twitter and search Artemis. They made a mini of Nova's very own Hand of Fate, and she looks good. Check out HeroForge today at HeroForge.com. Content warnings for this episode include fantasy violence, blood, nightmares, death of loved ones, complex and complicated relationships, romance, flirting, attraction, sex, ghosts, grief, trauma, descriptions of food, and references to war, environmental disaster, apocalypse, cannibalism, childbirth, possession, suffocation, and infidelity. Arc 2, Episode 11. A Crimson Bird. From Carved Inside an Empty Urn by Connie Chong. Four thousand years ago, a peasant girl from nowhere was born on Yaolan. For generations, her family had worshipped a god of miracles and midwives, but she was devoured some hundred years earlier by a deity of everlasting flood. As her parent screamed in pain and her mother prayed to a god that was long gone, the peasant girl from nowhere came tumbling into this world in a baptism of blood and flame. Four thousand years ago, Lung Xiefeng was not yet known as Emperor Lung Du, devourer of the devouring grand adjudicator of the game, sovereign on high of Yaolan, the amethyst dragon. Lung Xiefeng was known by one name, and one name only, Godkiller. Inside the Hall of Peerless Destiny, the Emperor Longdu's voice rings out in a surprisingly gentle tone. Her inflection is warm and cold, like currents colliding, flat and lilted, like a rolling plane, humble and terrifying like a sheathed sword that knows it will kill the moment it is drawn. Gods of the city, forgive the breakage of due process. The courtier of four symbols is typically the one who announces my extravagant titles and administers these assemblies. Unfortunately, they are not here tonight. 
Their absence among other anomalies is the topic of tonight's discussion. As you all are no doubt aware by now, on the night of my proclamation, the mist that visits our heavenly city every evening changed. It thickened into an unusually dense fog that refuses to dissipate no matter what methods we employ or how much time elapses. As I speak, the midday sun could be blazing above our heads and we would be none the wiser. Thanks to the mist, our city is bathed in perpetual eventide. Furthermore, members of our city have gone missing, starting with the courtier of four symbols. And now, Mingyu, the god of harmonious names, and Weijun, her dutiful younger sister, are also gone. I am aware of the rumors, of the sensation of being watched. This is why I have sounded the assembly drum. The strange uneasiness that accompanies this unusually dense mist. I will not announce my virtue until these mysteries are solved, the mist is lifted, and our missing gods are restored among our ranks. This is why I have gathered all of you here, especially the four of you. And with that, the Emperor turns her gaze to the four symbols. Zhiling, Luhua, Chunjing, Langhui. Now, more than ever, the City of Heaven needs its leaders. Tell me what you have discovered about the mist and our missing gods as you have been charged to do. Zhiling, the gentlewoman scholar, steps forward immediately. Her stance is proud. She holds the emperor's gaze without fear. Something flickers between Zhiling and Longdu, but it's gone before you can pin it down. And then Zhiling is speaking, and her voice is a blazing inferno, restrained within a beautiful glass crucible. Immortal Emperor, I have consulted the deepest archives of the Vermilion Library regarding the secrets of the mist, and I am honored to share what I have found in your radiant presence. Now, as most of us know, the mist is the font of magic. It is the force that binds the sister realms. It is the place where godly power comes from. It is the core of hope and despair. The land of dreams, the miasma, of consciousness. But I have also discovered in my research something that not many of us know. According to certain scholars, the mist is where gods go after we die. At that, the entire hall begins to buzz. There are frantic whispers, panicked glances, fluttering fans. Emperor Longdu raises a hand, and the hall quiets once more. Drilling, 
What are you implying? When we consider the disappearances, the rumors of monsters, and devouring era accounts of a similarly dense mist, it stands to reason that the Hounds of Doom are on our doorstep just as they were 10,000 years ago. And at that, the hall starts buzzing again, even more desperately than last time. How do the three of you take all this in? What emotion flutters across your faces? Starting with Zynan. Zynan hears all of it and is taking it all in, but the moment that Longdu starts talking about how the mist could also mean that they're all dead. He kind of looks around nervously and that fear that's already thrumming in his head from just being this close to the emperor elevates higher and higher to the point where even though he's trying to listen to the people around him, he can mostly only hear his heartbeat. Or at least he hopes it's actually his heartbeat. Hmm. Yes, Zynan, you try to stifle the sense of your pulse quickening within your sternum. When you breathe in to center yourself, you smell a flutter of white hair leading you into a gambling parlor. Lumira, how do you respond to this? I think Lumira is stock still, intently listening. You can almost see the gears clicking behind her eyes, trying to put things together, take note of what's important, get a feel for the reaction of others around. Mm. The sheer focus with which you absorb all of this information is like gears clicking against each other in perfect harmony, and another click of your mind whirling in on itself, focusing, focusing, we click over to Sayer. Sayer was in mid-bite of the bun that he had retrieved from the chef god moments before. And I think once the bite was completed, he sits still. All of these thoughts, the idea of the mist not being being a, a feature, not a uh, not an oddity here in the city of gods and the city of heaven, it being the afterlife. And the moment the mention of the hounds of doom emerges from the lips of the gods, he his own lion-like tail subconsciously swishes in inside the little bangles, the golden bangles at the end of it, clattering and clinking against each other, maybe tapping against a pillar within the grand hall. And Sayer feels like, what is it? Oh yes, a deer being hunted. That's what he feels like. And as your tail with its bangles clinks against a jade pillar, the emperor raises their hand once more, and the hall falls quiet instantly. It is Twinsing who speaks next, in that perpetually even-keeled, crystal-clear tone like the clicking of the beads on their abacus. Gentlewoman scholar, your theories are simply that. Theories. One could extrapolate any number of hypotheses from the data presented, and the data presented is not very firm. You said so yourself that only some 
scholars believe the mist is where gods go after we die. I question the validity of your sources. Furthermore, even if your sources had fertile enough ground to sprout roots, the presence of the mist does not necessarily indicate a second devouring is upon us, as some pot stirrers have claimed. Oh, head administrator, you are intelligent. That much nobody would deny you. But it takes more than intelligence to lead a city. It takes wisdom. You do understand the difference between the two, don't you? It takes power. If my theory is correct, then we stand to lose everything if we do not act accordingly if my theory is wrong. No harm, no foul. And let me extrapolate this time. Your proposition for acting accordingly means doing whatever you tell us to do, even though the Emperor has plainly stated she will not name her virtue under these circumstances, yes? The circumstances have improved already, thanks to my research. Ah, uh, but the rest of us have yet to present our findings. And all eyes in the hall swivel over to Longhui, the heavenly liaison and the white snake that coils around their shoulders. A little eager, if I do say so myself, gentlewoman, scholar, even in light of your reputation as a rake. <laughs> oh, heavenly liaison, you wound me. I would have thought that you'd know better than to address me with such disrespect after our private discussion earlier today. And at that, Lu Hua chimes in. But, uh, uh, private discussion? Are you two? Congratulations! And the tension in the hall dissipates. We hear laughter, we hear some people snorting, we see people smiling, and every god turns to Lu Hua, who's rubbing the back of her neck in a kind of embarrassed fashion and laughing to herself. But there's something intentional about the way she's chuckling at herself. Why don't each of you roll me 2d6? Can I add something to that? <laughs> Go for it, Lumira. I'm gonna use diagnoses if I can to tack onto okay, it. Okay, yeah. Why why don't each of you also pitch me a power tag if you'd like to kind of see what's going on with Luhua? I would add the chosen one, but I think that would immediately be removed by the tag denial. You are right. <laughs> so that is a plus one plus zero. I mean plus one minus one, so a, a net zero for you, Sierra. And mark attention on that theme. What about you, Zainan? I think Zainan is definitely feeling the, like, cute charm of it all, and I'm going to specifically choose student of those before because of a certain charming, roguish person that he used to associate with. Ooh, I like that. I'm going to invoke a thin mask yeah, as yeah, a yeah. tag. Yeah, yeah, because it's not really fully you that you're invoking here, is it? It's it's a mask. That's a net zero. Lumira, let's see if I want to hit you with a weakness tag, too. Um, There's no need to. There's no need to. There's no need to <laughs> at do, all. do it because you're cute. No, Lumira no, no. Let a, him cook. Lumira rolled a three. <laughs> let him Wait, cook. Let him cook. Fact, uh, let him cook. Yeah, let him cook. Let him cook. Let him cook. Let him cook. What you got for me? You're fatigued. Oh, oh fuck. 
Yeah. Lira. Go to bed. F in chat. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. F in chat for sure. All right, so that's that's a flat zero for everybody. Roll that 2d6. Hey, Connie, I'll see your flat zero and still tell you that I rolled an 11. Jesus Christ. Of course you did. Of course you did. I rolled an eight. Okay. Makes Representation matters. <laughs> Mediocre he him. <laughs> yeah. So Lumira rolled a three. So I <gasps> think what happens is there is something about someone that is so confident and so secure in what they know and their intelligence and the way they swing it like the most beautiful just so Lumira's actively probably drooling just like a little oh bit at drilling just like completely spaced okay so you're you're distracted by drooling <laughs> in this moment where everyone's attention is turning to Luhua I love it you're not focused for once and maybe it's the fatigue of everything that you're pushing to the side just to focus on the mission at hand. And maybe it's the fact that something about talking to Juling outside the hall made you feel something underneath your ribcage that you hadn't felt in two months. Just a flutter of it, just a simulacrum of it, an echo of it. But still, that's enough, isn't it? So your eyes are drawn away from Lu Hua. The boys, Zainan, Sayer. Sayer, with your weak hit, with your mixed success, you and Zainan can both feel something familiar about Lu Hua. And it's really not a far stretch to say a confident person, someone who smiles and can make other people smile, a, a charismatic sunrise that everyone wants to bask in the warmth of. Well, I don't even need to say her name, do I? You know who she makes you think of. Zainan, with your strong hit, perhaps Lu Hua is not as naive as she comes off. That bubbly, bursting personality that's always seeking to appease, make everyone happy, perhaps even at the detriment of themselves. This is a person who was most certainly born and raised amidst dozens and hundreds and thousands of scheming gods, and their tactic for defense and offense seems to be charm. And as all of you take this in, drooling sighs. No, Apprentice, thankfully we are not involved. You couldn't bed me if you tried. Uh, anyway, anyway, I think what the Heavenly Liaison was maybe trying to say is before we make any decisions as a group, all of us should have the chance to present what we've found. So I'd be happy to go next. Yes, please allow me to volunteer. I've been studying the mist firsthand, examining its properties, trying to see if it's the same mist we're used to, but just in greater quantity for some reason, or if there's something fundamentally different about it. So far, I've identified two key areas of concern. One, this mist isn't just dense. It's impenetrable. It can't be dispersed by any means, physical or magical. And furthermore, any magic performed within it is either diminished or unstable or somehow both. I attempted quite a few experiments with my hammer that almost blew my face off, but thankfully the Forge Master was there to catch me and she made me a delicious chicken noodle soup afterward to comfort me. But anyway, with all due respect, little flower, 
We already knew this about the mist. Anyone who's wandered inside could tell you as much. And you are absolutely correct, gentlewoman scholar. I merely sought to make sure everyone in the council hall was on the same page as each other, given how there are so many rumors flying around, and not all of us can claim a breadth and depth of knowledge as immense as yours. <sighs> all right, that's enough. Get on with it. But there is a small smile on the edge of Drooling's face. Certainly. So, the second key area of concern is that the mist seems to have a will of its own. Chunzing's head cocks sharply to the side. Go on. Well, I spent a lot of time in the mist. Like a lot, probably a little too much. And it seemed to want to coil up my nostrils into my mouth press through my skin. I felt rather strange being in it for so long. And again, I have the Forge Master to thank for pulling me out of it when I myself was feeling like I was losing myself. I'm not sure what all of this means exactly, but I would advise against standing in the mist for too long if you can help it. Unease ripples through the gathered gods. And then Longhui speaks and the congregation settles once more. In the spirit of sharing our findings, here is what I have discovered. My eyes are unable to pierce the innermost depths of the mist, no doubt due to its anti-scrying properties. We have completely lost contact with Yaolan and the Underworld, but I have seen more than most. I do not believe the shadows that lurk within these mists to be demonic. They are something else entirely. They possess an aura I have never felt before, and they feel hungry. I have also heard more than most strange noises, to be sure, familiar noises, but twisted in a broken way, like a lover's scent, but rotted, wilted. More than that, too. The sound of weeping, or an approximation of weeping, gibbering, and lascivious, as though entranced by its own ability to want. Yes, as our fine Forge Master's apprentice has brought up, whatever this mist is, whatever it desires, if it can desire, it is filled with nightmares. At that, a chill settles over the hall. Mu Xunzing, the head administrator, steps forward. I have findings to share as well. I had a feeling my peers would focus most of their efforts on the mist itself, so I took the liberty of looking into those who were missing. 
As far as the symbols and your immortal highness are aware, three gods are gone. Mingyu, the god of harmonious names, Weijun, the younger sister of the god of harmonious names, and Hun Xiaocheng, the courtier of four symbols. I regret to inform all of you that I believe a fourth god has disappeared since we last adjourned. Hierping, the former heavenly liaison. Whispers ripple through the throne room. Another missing god? But before panic can spread, the head administrator continues. Upon this discovery, I looked for similarities. Patterns of any kind that might suggest why these four, out of all of us, were taken. Or perhaps taken first. I looked into any and every metric of identification. Ascension year, ascension method, age, domain, skills, ranks, merit holdings, known associates, known stomping grounds, hobbies, habits. Unfortunately, outside of Mingyu and Weijun, who are sisters, there are few, if any, overlaps that can be identified based on records, censuses, and status reports. So I dug deeper. I looked in places that I typically do not like to look, and at that, Chunzing glances at Langhui, who raises an eyebrow, and Chunzing continues. I dug into their vices. All of them, except the courtier of four symbols, had troubles. I won't sully the names of my colleagues in public with such sordid details, but they all had problems and secrets, let's say. I will leave it at that, unless otherwise prompted by the Immortal Emperor. And at that, Emperor Longdu raises her head. The exact details are unnecessary, head administrator, but all of us have secrets. It is the nature of being divine. So please, do divulge broad patterns, for otherwise I fear panic will spread. Of course, your majesty. In terms of Mingyu and Weijun, there are nine formal complaints lodged against the god of harmonious names and by proxy her sister, who was present during the issuing of these complaints. These complaints are spread across the course of three months between 863 and 864 AG, seven weeks after Mingyu's ascension and four weeks after Weijun's. Nothing major, but all regarding the same topic. The complainants were unsatisfied with the epithets bestowed upon them by the god of harmonious names. After the ninth complaint, there are no more of any kind. To this day. 979 AG. It appears whatever issue the sisters might have been having over a hundred years ago was resolved. As for Higher Ping, I noticed an odd pattern in the Ascension Gate records. Between 792 AG and 800 AG, she was recorded as having traveled to Yaolan a total of 2,488 times. That is an average of 311 times per year, more than twice her usual rate, even when she did serve as Heavenly Liaison, which she was at the time. However, 
the number returns to normal after 800 AG and drops significantly in 801 AG, which is when Hai Ping announced her retirement from the position and Lang Hui took the role. At that, the gathered gods mutter very loudly amongst themselves, and Drooling turns to a stoic Langhui with light glimmering in her crimson eyes. Is that so fascinating? Yes, it is fascinating, isn't it, how roles tend to be filled after people retire? It is doubly fascinating how the person whose role you filled conveniently vanished as soon as the mist thickened around the city of heaven. You're not known for leaving loose ends lying around, heavenly liaison. How could I have anything to do with this disappearance, drilling, as it is you who has been a thorn in my side, a constant companion since we last assembled? You admitted so yourself. Unless you're not as powerful as you think you are. Perhaps I've escaped from under your thumb, under your watch. Which is it? Are you weak or are you a fool? At that, Drooling's mouth forms into a hard line. There is undeniable truth in Longhui's words, and their eyes sweep across the assembled hall, daring anyone at all to call their position and their values into question. Chunzing continues before Juling can cut in with a rebuke. As for the courtier of four symbols, as I mentioned earlier, I could find nothing of the sort on Xiaocheng. That is all. Emperor Longdu sits back in her throne, considering all of this information, and as she does, an uneasy quiet settles across the hall. I want to know, do any of you speak up in this moment, or do you hold your tongues? There are pros and cons to both, to sharing what you know in a public forum. I think Zainan pats his clothes, looking to see if he had still has on him what I believe he took from the City of Heaven before we were mysteriously taken to this missed version of the city of heaven. But for the most part, he's just going to lock eyes with Lung Hui and keep his mouth shut. You look at the heavenly liaison, you pat your robes, you find nothing of the sort. The only thing you have in your possession are the merits you took from the brother and sister outside the gambling parlor and your bow. Yeah. Okay. Well, somewhere between here and there, is evidence of what they are discussing. Yep. <laughs> you, nope. All the documents, not on your person. He is keenly focused on what the heavenly liaison has to say about this. And specifically thinking about the gourd that Xiaocheng also had and thinking about all of the pieces. And I think it's not uh, hard to tell that he is doing a lot of math in his head, but he is keeping his mouth shut for now. <laughs> He's still afraid. Fear is still coursing through your body. You lock eyes briefly with those slitted pupils of Langhui, who has glanced over their shoulder to look at the congregated gods, their gaze lingering on yours with that same strange intensity as before, like they're piercing your soul to its very core. And then they look away, turn the back of their head to you, showing only shaved white hair. 
Sayer, Lumira, do either of you speak up? Hell no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm nope, 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 nope. Lumira, she knows how to pick and choose her battles. When to say and when not to. This is not the time nor place. Mm. Sayer? Sayer completes his meal of the bow that's supposed to fill him for 300 years. And as he completes his meal, he taps his foot, attempting to figure out if there's something he could even say. But then he remembers the interesting interaction we have with Lang Hui, lest he worsen the position the three of us are already in. And I think this is exacerbated by the half-truths that are emerging from the discussion before us. You see Sayer's bright blue eyes as he's kind of, unlike the rest, I'll give you something, Connie. He's not going to speak up, but he's going to start pacing. He's going to pace from the one end of the room all the way to the other end of the room just to observe the four symbols in the different perspectives so he can actually notice this. This is his instinct finally keying in. Now that there's silence, now that he's alone, he is keyed in. For good, for worse, only we can tell. But this is what Sayer's instinct calls him to do, not what the mask is. And he okay. is just observing Lang Hui, and I think he wants to get to that observation point of, if Lang Hui had this, and this is a vice that's been conveniently leveraged, we should be careful. And now he's just weighing all the pros and the cons of all the information that we're receiving from these candidates. Okay, I assume you pace vertically up and down instead of across the gap mm. that no one traverses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if you step into I the gap, was, everyone's yeah. gonna turn to you like yeah, yeah, yeah. talk. I, f- I forgot there was an <laughs> yes. avenue. There's like a yeah. walkway down so, the middle. So you know, he's yeah. going to pace up and down. Uh, I think he passes by Lumira and uh, Zion's backs for a moment and you kind of, you both feel that like, I feel like Sayer's footsteps are very like familiar. They're very heavy and purposeful. So, so you hear him kind of pacing behind you as he like attempts to take a look at the symbols faces to see how each of them are taking in all the information. Yes, I will give the surface level assertion to you, say you're without a role. As you pace forward, you see the four symbols pull into greater focus. Towering over all of them is Yen Juling, the gentlewoman scholar. Her face is proud. There's a bit of annoyance at the latest exchange with Lang Hui on it, but it doesn't seem unfamiliar. These two, the tall, big, broad-shouldered woman and the small, slight, short, heavenly liaison, seem to be used to pushing each other's buttons let's say. You notice that Twinzing reminds you of Lumira. The way they hold themselves is very focused, straight-backed. They're not even really fiddling with the abacus anymore, they're just looking at the immortal emperor waiting for her to speak next, completely zoned in on the mission and the topic at hand. Even these, like, basically, like, lore bombs that the other four symbols are dropping don't seem to ruffle them at all. They just take everything in stride, like they're compartmentalizing it and categorizing it somewhere in the archives of their mind. If anyone had a photographic memory out of these four, it would be Twinsing. As for Luhua, I think your eyes stick on her the longest 
because, well, she's so familiar, her face is so bright, and she wears everything on her face. Like, she gasps when everyone gasps. She, like, <gasps> like puts her hands over her mouth when everyone does that as well. She, like, looks between Zhu Ling and Lang Hui, and she looks, like, afraid and concerned and, and hopeful and, and open all at the same time. But again, there's something intentional about the openness on Lu Hua's face. It's not necessarily performative, but it is not done thoughtlessly. That's what you can get by just glancing at them. Would you like to peer deeper? Yes. Okay, at all of them or one in particular? Oh my lord. Lu Hua, let's go for Lu Hua. I think Sayer's entranced by Lu Hua. I don't think he even understands what's going on. He looks upon Ta, and Tada's face, Tada's brightness kind of just sucks him in, inspires something deep inside him that he thought had died long ago. And yeah, I would like to peer closer. Mm. What would I have to do to do that? I think, and I want to offer this opportunity to Zainan and Lumira as well, to any of the other three of the four symbols. I think that's going to be a connect role. But instead of saying something intimate, you need to display a vulnerable, intimate, exposed expression on your face that Lu Hua will see. And the other two, you all can choose someone to try to connect with as well, or you cannot do that in this moment. Yeah, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> okay, it's a long way. Yes, yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> what about Lumira? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Lumira's going to um, as well with... Uh... With drilling. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. All right. Let's circle back to Sayer at the top. So what intimate emotion do you reveal on your face? Love. Deep, unadulterated love. Admiration that is the most sincere and the most devoted. Jesus fucking Christ. Okay. What tags are you invoking? I would like to invoke the tags hollowness, the chosen one. Uh, let me see what else I have here. I think that's it. I think that's all that I have. Hollowness in the Chosen One. I'm going to invoke your weakness tag, scares people. Yeah, it's just plus one. Yep, that's a plus one. Zainan, what emotion do you wear on your face toward Longhui? He's already begun to admire Longhui because of their office and, and just like the way that that was all set up. And he was already feeling very immersed in their world. And so he looks at Tada's head and begins to almost just like will will them to turn around, will them to look at him. And he is actually going to reveal even further his untethered existence to them. Okay. You reveal something of the ghost inside the man, a sliver of the man inside the ghost. What tags are you invoking? We're going to just slam that mythos button and do untethered existence, grief's long shadow, and unspoken eulogies. And I'm going to hit you with a closed door and haunted by dusty memories. Oh, we're going twice. Okay. <laughs> so that's a plus one. What about you, Lumira? Lumira is looking at drilling, but her eyes are softer than you've seen them in a while. At first, they're really bright and shiny. And after a little bit, of time of just studying them up and down. They get dark, but not 
in a bad way, like dark in a severely like aroused way. Just <laughs> so <laughs> Lumiere's like, she's doing the thing where she's trying not to exude how unbelievably attracted she is. So she's kind of like fidgeting and like fidgets with her pocket watch. Uh And you just uh kind of hear the chain of the pocket watch like jingling and the face of it like opening and closing, like clicking consistently. And she's just like biting her lip. (laughs) You're you're shooting pheromones at this woman. Okay, so... (laughs) What what tags are you invoking? Um, I'm literally just going to invoke love is power, actually, I think. Mm, oh my god. Jesus. Okay, yes. That's the one? Yeah, just the one. Sounds good. I'm not gonna invoke a weakness tag in that case, I think. All right. We're gonna circle back to the top. Sayer, what did you get? So I rolled a six on the die, but I remember we have a plus one, and <gasps> it wasn't a plus zero, so it's yes. a seven. <laughs> Oh my god, we you have escaped disaster by the skin of your teeth. <laughs> yes. What is wrong with our dice? I don't know. They don't like me, this arc. <laughs> this move reads, on a seven to nine, they reveal something secret, intimate, or dangerous in return. You look at Luhua with open, unadulterated, pure, unfiltered love. Not desire or attraction or anything like that. Love. Pure love. And Luhua sees you at first from the corner of her eye, and then she blinks and turns and looks at you. Not fully with her body, but just with a slight cock of her head. She's still focused on the conversation at hand, but then she looks at you, looks away, then looks at you again, does a double take. And their mouth softens, parts a little, their eyebrows shoot up at seeing this open, intimate expression you're wearing. And the secret, intimate, or dangerous expression they return to you is pity, deep, genuine pity. Like they've seen something beneath the love, beneath the surface of that sparkling affection. They've seen the grief. Zynan, what did you roll? Okay, so how does a 12 suit you? What the hell? Okay. Different set of dice. Cowboy dad. Rolled the same thing again. (laughs) Excellent. So on a 10 plus, you resonate with each other in a true deep way. I have a pitch. Yes. As Zynan is looking at Ta and he's trying to will this strange new reality of himself to draw them in. And what travels between them in that space that isn't there in the ghost realm that he keeps touching, a gust of wind that smells of dust, the sound of grass dry but blowing in the wind, the almost deafening beginning of a roar of tumbling clouds of dust and laughter from a little girl. (sighs) Yes, on a 10 plus, she receives it. And you see the back of her head stiffen, it raises, and she turns to look at you. Zynan, 
The three things you can pick from on a 10 plus are to recover a burned tag, reduce a status by one tier, or receive a positive story tag or status from me. Before I continue to describe what are responses, which of these three would you like? I think I definitely want the story tag or status. Okay. The two of you look at each other. And it's like a spear of dust and coldness lancing you straight through the heart. No, not just lancing you, connecting the two of you. There is a moment of resonance here. You know that he hears the laughter, he smells the dust, he feels this desiccated wind, and for a moment you can almost see their hair ripple in an unfelt breeze from a world that isn't quite here, but that you're summoning into this reality from sheer force of want, of look at me, of recognize me. And I'm going to bestow the status upon you, bound by death, which connects you and Longhui. You feel something behind your navel binding you to this person, and on their flat, placid face, you see an expression, a micro-expression, spasm. Like recognizing like. It is a note being hit on one side of the world that vibrates with another note on the opposite side of the world, even if the two of you had never seen each other before, even if the two of you had no idea who either of you were, you would feel it this resonance, like understanding, like. You are part ghost, part man? So are they? Something of the sort. Something of ghostliness. Something of the underworld. Lumira, what did you get? How's a 10, Connie? Is that fine? Oh my god, yes! Yes, I love this! That gets you a lot. So that gets you the same thing that Zionan gets, which means you resonate with each other in a true deep way. So you get to pick one of the three as well. Before you do, you see Drooling's ear flatten against the side of her skull as she senses you looking at her. She hears your hand fiddling with the pocket watch, opening the cover, closing it, snapping it open, closing it again. And she turns and also looks at you with those dark, bright crimson eyes and she's connected with you already a little bit outside the hall there was some flirting here or there there was a promise of sharing some time together in her vermilion library but here what you want feels much more urgent feels much more almost primal and instinctual so lumira which of the three would you like recover a burned tag reduce a status by one tier or receive a positive story tag or status i think i'll also take this story tag Okay, let me drink because I'm thirsty and think. I am also thirsty, Connie. Jesus fucking Christ. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You hear a voice in your head. As Drooling looks at you, her mouth doesn't move, but it is her. Resonating on the surface of your consciousness, a private message wreathed in unfelt flame that nevertheless sends a warmth pooling down through your skull all the way to the pit of your stomach. And Drooling says to you, I want you to meet me tonight in my private bedroom in the Vermilion Library. The password is Phoenix Fallen. Lumera's eyes bug 
just for a second. And just as quickly as they bulged, straight face, mask back on, you just see her subtly nod. And she'll turn sharply on her heel and walk over towards the rest of her team. Yes, the story tag I'm going to give you is password to the library. So even if it changes, you'll have access to what it is. Okay. Okay. We pivot back to this confrontation happening at the end of the hall, at the base of the dais upon which the immortal emperor sits. Drooling turns away from you and without missing a beat in this conversation, only a few seconds have elapsed this entire time. Drooling says, Your Majesty, now more than ever, we need strong leadership. In your infinite wisdom, I beseech you, name your virtue so that they might rule by your side and burn out this thickened mist with fury and force. <sighs> your transparent attempt to climb, even now, gentlewoman scholar, in the mist of catastrophe, betrays where your true values lie. Clearly, you care less about the well-being of the city and more about claiming the title of virtue, which you seem so confident you'll obtain, even though all evidence suggests otherwise. Evidence. <laughs> Present it then, heavenly liaison. Or, wait. Do you have none because your scrying eyes are useless in this mist and your one advantage is gone? Peace, divine fellows. Peace, please. The emperor raises a hand. That's enough. Four symbols of the city of heaven, I have heard enough. I charge you with your next task. Acting on the knowledge we have all acquired, Gather information and resources that will help us plumb the depths of the mist and search for those we have lost. Protect those unprotected. Unravel this mystery once and for all before it unravels us. And at that, whispers flutter through the grand hall. You hear gods muttering about plumbing the depths of the mist. How dangerous that sounds, but oh, if anyone could do it, it's the four symbols and the emperor herself. And then Longdu speaks once more. That is all. This council meeting is adjourned. And with that, a resounding, thunderous beat of a drum that vibrates through this entire chamber, vibrates past the heavenly palace, past all the pagodas and courtyards of the entire city of heaven. And then the gods begin to disperse. So Strike Team Nova, as everyone starts to filter out of this hall, mingling with each other, talking, a sense of tension released and then also refocused, including the four symbols, you realize you have a chance right now to do a quick rendezvous with each other and to approach one or more of the symbols on their way out or to whatever next destination they're on their way to, if you so choose. So your group can approach the same person together or you can split up and cover more ground. So how do you quickly touch base if you do and or which of the four symbols are you drawn toward? 
I think Zynan turns, tries to lock eyes on both of them, never fully leaving uh, Longhui's out of his vision as much as he can either, though. Thayer immediately, like, kind of, like, snaps out of the Luhua-related reverie and just kind of, like, pivots back to the strike team. This, uh, this inability to scry sounds familiar. If attempting to scry does anything like it did to me, it's gotta be affecting them some way. Well, that was before. And that scry is different. That's what's going on outside of this. And he motions to the ever the even tide around us. They're two cities of heaven, there's no doubt about it at this point. The question is, if we've met Xiao Cheng in the other city of heaven, what about the other three? Are they there too? But Xiao Cheng insists they haven't seen Ed or Til, any other god. I have a guess where our previous liaison is down in that um, mayhem. And he looks to Lumira that you saw. It's a possibility. Yeah. At this point, we have to run every lead that we can. We still don't know enough. Speaking of, I think I'm going to go ask some questions of our uh, proprietor of that casino. I've got a few questions myself for the administrator. All right. I'll head towards the apprentice. Careful, Nova. We're amongst wolves here. Stay safe. Eyes up. Keep it close. Got you. And with that, Strike Team Nova disperses. We follow... <laughs> this is fun. Why don't each of you roll me a d6? Okay. Oh, finally a respectable number. Five. Five. So five. Oh five my god! Did we all oh, roll no! <laughs> yeah, Connie, we'll roll you a okay, die. that doesn't help me at all. Uh, <laughs> okay, then I'll just decide. Lumira. We follow you through the crowd, cutting your way not toward Juling, with whom you definitely have a hot date later, but toward Mu Chunxing, the head administrator. They have stayed, unlike the other four symbols, at the base of the amethyst pool, looking up at the throne, which you now realize with a blink, it's empty. Just like that. The emperor had folded into existence, they have now folded out of existence. Gone on the wind like a butterfly's wings. Chunzing still stands there, though, back, rod straight, looking at that empty seat, their face indecipherable. As you approach, do you introduce yourself or do you wait to be acknowledged? Lemira will wait to be acknowledged, but she will make sure that her stride is purposeful. You hear the click of her heels, of her boots, and she'll stand not directly next to the administrator, but will stand in close proximity, mimicking the same body language that is familiar to her. It reflects herself. Hmm. Yes, yeah, something about it feels familiar. Something about the rigid, but not inflexible, the focused, but not necessarily blinded way in which Twinzing holds themselves resonates with you resonates with how you see and hold yourself in some way as well. And without turning around to look at you, Twinsing speaks and you know they are addressing you. On whose summons did you arrive, Cultivator? I don't believe we've met before. You can call me Iris for the time being. 
However, I'm still a bit fuzzy, genuinely, on how I was here, to be honest. And you are speaking genuinely honestly because you don't know how you arrived in this other city of heaven, so you're pulling on a grain of truth here. And Twinsing seems to sense that. They finally turn to look at you. They openly analyze you. They're not hiding the fact that they're taking you in as their eyes go up, down, and back up to you. Their lip quirked a little when he said Iris. They say, Well, I suppose I cannot blame you for feeling wrong-footed here. This dense mist has made even the most focused of my colleagues lose themselves. But I can tell you want answers as well. And you're not going to let anything stop you, are you? Very little things stop me once I get my mind set to something. However, I am a bit concerned. I wanted to talk to you, see how you saw things around here, your perspective. You mentioned yourself in there that there's multiple different ways of looking at things outside of drilling. So I want to know, what do you think? What does this miss to you? What does it feel like to you? Twinsing straightens a touch more, being asked for their opinion. You get the sense that as head administrator, they do a lot of bureaucratic tasks, but it feels like a thankless job. Based on how everyone's been interacting with all of the other symbols, you can hear them chattering. Some definitely feel popular. Some feel feared, respected, liked. But Twinsing almost feels forgotten in some ways. Not forgotten unthanked. And it's not like they ask for or expect appreciation for their work. Someone has to do it. But you acknowledging them, they look at you in a different light. Hmm. Not everyone seems to appreciate the perspective I bring to conversations. Most think that being head administrator means just counting grain and counting merits. Well, the numbers tell a story. And numbers don't lie. The only thing that does lie is how we read them. <sighs> As for the numbers right now, they're not adding up. Luhua is right. This mist is not behaving in any way that makes sense for it outside of... And Twinsing stops short. Their eyelids flutter for a half second, and their face becomes uncharacteristically wrinkled dark, and then it smooths out. That's neither here nor there. But you notice that they had thought of something, but then pushed it away. You are holding back. <sighs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. I've barely even met you, and I feel like I recognize a little bit of myself in you. Which I suppose means I can't hide anything from you now, can I? Not at all. <sighs> it is as the gentlewoman scholar mentioned offhandedly, something about her report stuck out to me like a sore thumb. <sighs> like a rotten grain of rice when every other grain is harvested at the peak of its prime. She had mentioned that the mist was similarly thick during the devouring. And Chunzing says the word devouring, like a blade lodged underneath the soft part of their tongue. They spit it out and it's bloody. They don't want to look at it for very long. As difficult as the topic or memories might be, it probably would be best to pull from all facets of similarities. There may be some overlap. 
You said yourself the numbers don't lie. No, no, numbers don't lie. Numbers never lie. That is why numbers are more trustworthy than gods, mortals, monsters, or demons. Numbers can't hurt you. Only the interpretation of numbers can hurt you. The devouring. It was the one other time I've ever experienced anything like this, Mistwise. Even then, it wasn't quite the same, and I... I didn't exactly focus on the caliber of the fog around me when the devouring was raging, you understand. I was focused on counting. The deaths, the ascensions, the betrayals, the merits. The amount of blood spilled, the amount of territory gained and lost, the gods felled, the gods born. Counting. Lumira nods at that and a slight smirk comes across her face, not being snarky, but in familiarity, working to keep from something makes sense. You don't... <sighs> Lumira stops for a second, then turns her attention towards them. Firstly, I want to apologize. I myself was not truthful when we first met. My name is Lumira, not Iris. Hmm. Apology accepted, given the rapidity with which you admitted your lie. I was wondering how long it would take you. It seems like I can't hide anything from you either. No. If you knew I wasn't being truthful, why continue to indulge me? Because it's like we said, numbers don't lie. I wanted to see how long it would take you. I was counting the seconds. How long did it take? 23 seconds. I counted 24, but that's fine. And Lumira chuckles. Chunzing's mouth twitches in a very close approximation of a smile, and they make a small noise at the back of their throat that feels like it might be a laugh. This is frightening. There's... It's difficult to feel like you can help when you don't look at everything. And it's also difficult when you feel helpless to save those and the place in which you care about. So, knowledge is important, yes, but so are the numbers. Putting the numbers and the knowledge together can bring much more of a fuller picture than one could imagine or think of. Do not discredit Sherling. They won't discredit you either. Do you like that woman? Yes. I'm not surprised. She seems to have some sort of magical hold over most of the people of this city. And people beyond as well. It's always such an affair when they travel to Yawan. I appreciate knowledge and those who know how to wield it. <sighs> Drilling, let's just say, she wields her knowledge like a flaming longsword. She cuts down and burns to ash anything that stands in her way. Not everyone is so worthy to wield the knowledge she holds. And there's a note of bitterness to what Twinzing says. Lumira notes that and she once again smirks, placing her hands into her coat pocket, kind of kicking at the ground with her toe, digging a little hole into the ground before she looks up. Well, lucky for them, there is not much left standing to cut down. <laughs> I think I can hold my own now. I have no doubt. 
You strike me as someone intelligent and self-possessed. And, best of all, you're not a threat to her. You're not vying for the position of Emperor's Virtue, so she is willing to give you the time of day. It was never my intention. I know I am destined for great things. Destined beyond this. You seem confident. I am. Because I know. Hmm. And there is something jealous in Trinzing's eyes as they look at you and they see the confidence, the real confidence, Lumira. Jealous not in a dark and bitter way, but in a way that is self-pitying. And for all of the errors that Trinzing is putting on, all of their straight-backedness, all of their focus on logic and data, you see something underneath that mask, a brief swish of motion behind a crack in their facade. They are not a confident person. Lumira sees that and acknowledges that. Confidence is something that took me a while to build. You front it enough and it genuinely comes naturally. (laughs) The domain of power, force, self-assuredness is not in the stars for me. But I am not worried. I have other ways of getting what I want. Lumira just smiles at that and leaves it there. She knows she gets it and she's got her own as well. No more needs to be said. Mm. Lumira, as we pause here in this conversation between you and Xing, these two similar but very distinctly different people, we pan across the hall to find Sayer. Sayer. You are approaching Luhua, correct? Yes, I am. All right. As you draw closer to the Forge Master's apprentice, you see that they're surrounded by a group of people that they're talking to. Gregariously, reassuringly, you notice that they're seeming to assuage fears and anxieties of a particular uh, clutch of gods. So their back is to you, and they're they're talking in a very appeasing manner. Mm. Oh, should I do it? Oh, I should. This is for all of the Bible study girlies in the audience today. Um, Hello. I don't like where this is going already. Yeah. Oh, affectionate. What are you doing? (laughs) Sayer looks uh, towards the back of Lupa, right? Uh, I'm Mm -hmm. facing their back. And as Sayer approaches, it's like being drawn to sunlight. The moon reflecting the sun's rays. It's only natural. Yes, his bright blue eyes are transfixed against that beautiful, beautiful face, that regal stature. How could they not think of her? And I think he reaches out to touch even the hem of Lupois' robe, almost begging, pleading that it might be Sings in this moment. And I think he says, he blurts out in this moment, says, Lord Apprentice, and taps against the hem of Luhua's uh, robes. Val, I'm so Val, tired. Val, not say you're Val, that is wretched. That is vile. <laughs> you're an evil man. Val, I'm okay. so tired. I'm so <laughs> fucking tired. You threatened as a Bible school that you do this? This is worse. Yes, okay. Read the Gospel of Luke, baby. 
you you tug on the hem of Luhua's sleeve. That half title choking out of your throat before you tamp it down with the proper address. And Luhua raises her head, turns and looks at you. Oh, recognition flashing in her eyes. She turns back to the minor congregation gathered around her. Uh, please, just a, just a moment, please. I would love to have a private word with my new friend here. And everyone gathered around makes, you know, noises of appeasement and agreeability, and they disperse, leaving you and Luhua alone to have a, a private word. They turn to face you fully, and they give you a big, sympathetic smile. Hello. Hi. Um, and Sayer re- realizes that he didn't prepare the mask before speaking. Uh, his tail swishes in, in-, in anxiety. He touches the uh, corners of the sash that he wears around his torso, and he says, um, and the mask is put back on. Uh, he- hello, uh, Lord Apprentice. Uh, I um, apologize. I did not mean to take you away from uh, everybody. Oh, oh, there's no need to apologize. And you can drop the formalities with me. I'm the youngest of the symbols. One of the youngest of the gods here, period. Luhua is just fine. And you are? Uh, my name is, my name is Sayer. Sayer? That's a beautiful name. What does it mean? I, Sayer doesn't know. Luhua waits the beat for you to respond. Sees no reply is forthcoming. They quickly cover the gap to alleviate any awkwardness. My name is Luhua, Lu as in furnace, Hua as in flower, like a furnace flower. It makes sense. I sprang from a spark of the Forge Master's hammer as it banged down inside the diamond furnace. Oh, you're... I see. Um, I... For, forgive me, I thought all gods ascended from Yaolan. Oh! Oh, no, 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 no. Well, a lot of them do, but a lot of us are just born. Made? Leapt into existence. Uh... Uh, un- understood. Uh, f- forgive my-, my ignorance. I'm new here. Uh, still figuring everything out. Oh, I- I'm new too. <laughs> you and me both. I assume you're a cultivator? Yes. I have just arrived. Aluhua nods sympathetically and-, and warmly as you say that. They say, well, allow me to welcome you to our grand city. I promise it's not usually so dark and full of mist. There is a daytime, typically, but it's been a while since the daytime was last here. I'm not sure how long exactly. We can't really seem to agree on how time passes here. It seems rather slow, don't you think? Like we're stuck in congealed kanji. But either way, welcome to our great city. Uh, Seer doesn't know quite what to do here. His mask is uh, clanging against bright light. It's like flashing two candles right at each other, and there's really no space for light to go when there's only light in a room. And he kind of struggles in this position for a moment. And he looks around at everything, this entire city of heaven, time feeling slower and uh, pacing like a slowed heartbeat. I, 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 um, I, I think what you said today was very wise. It seems that everyone's at odds with one another, and you really brought the foundation back from the brink. 
Oh, no, 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 no. I wouldn't say that. It's all because of me, or even partly because of me. All of the symbols are, are very wise, very powerful, very smart and intelligent. I'm just kind of here along for the ride. Uh, but, but anything I can do to help the City of Heaven, I will do. It is my home, and I want my home to be okay. And I want everyone in my home to be okay. And, you know, between you and me, I just wish everyone could get along with each other. And be honest with each other, you know? It's like the Forge Master says, if we were all just upfront about who we are and what we wanted, everything would be better. <laughs> Sayer lets a laugh escape his lips. <laughs> that, that reminds me of my own teacher. You have a teacher as well? Yes. Are they here in the city? No, they're far away. Back home. Oh. Back on the cradle. Which, unfortunately, none of us have been able to access since this mist thickened. Y you must feel lonely, I, I think. Uh... I, uh, no, I, I'm perfectly, perfectly all right. Um, and he points over to probably when the mirror is having a conversation with Chunjing, and, um, mm -hmm. Sidon probably is also at this point having a conversation with Langhui, and, like, gestures over there. Uh, they are my uh, fellow cultivators. We ascended together. Oh, oh, that's, that's incredible. Three close friends ascending together. Uh, my apologies, I didn't realize the two of you were so, were so close. I thought you were strangers or maybe there's some tension maybe i was misreading things sayer feels a uh, a lump in his throat realizing just how observant every god is here and his tail swishes uh nervously and he kind of without himself knowing starts kind of like stroking the fuzz at the end of his antlers as his antlers are finally growing in and he kind of just picks at it for a moment before saying um I, it's it's just you know everything happening and the uh, tension here with the gods. Uh, your teacher was uh, wise, and, and so are you. For um, and he realizes he does not know what he wants to say next, and then unconsciously slips back to a sayerism, to a hunting analogy that he knows. It's easier to pick off a herd when they are split off and separated. Keeping everyone together is of utmost priority if folks are going missing. That is a very wise thing to say, Sayer. I bet your mentor taught you that. Uh, yes. Yes, they did. They're a huntress. A huntress? That's amazing! The Forge Master is obviously a smith, but they say that all weapons have a purpose. And I'm doing my best to figure out what my purpose is here. But in the meantime, I think it's to make sure we're all okay in the city. Sayer instinctively kind of like touches against the leather hilt of the crescent blades and, and leans into it standing up. He picks up on what Lu Hua says, almost referring to Tada's self as a weapon. And I think there's an instinct for him to kind of like lean in and ask, and he chastises himself. Sling wouldn't do it this way, not prying into someone open like they are, like they're a trove or a crate ready to be smashed into. He should be kind and soft and gentle. And instead he says, I see, but you said you were new, young, right? Um, how did you, Yes. how did someone so young become 
a virtue? Isn't being a virtue candidate a really big deal? Oh, it is. It, it is a big deal. And perhaps you're right. Perhaps I'm not worthy for the title. No, no, don't misunderstand uh, me. I, oh no no no! no. I, I'm not offended whatsoever. I I think you you are absolutely right to 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 question my age. I'm barely two hundred years old, very young. I'm sure I'm much younger than you yourself. Sayer is uh kind of taken aback and realizes that if there is an age equivalent, he doesn't know what the conversion is. He wasn't briefed on this. Sometimes that happens in planes. <laughs> and I think there's a moment where he like 404 blue screens for a moment and then just says, I, I, I think I'm younger. I'm not sure. Oh, well, surely you must have been so focused on, on your hunting studies and practices that the years passing were like, Bees of water going over a rock. Most wise and most dedicated to your craft. Uh, yes, um, that's exactly what happens. Sayer's bad at lying, and if someone is going to help him <laughs> do that, he's just going to accept the help and 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 take the excuse that's been yes. given to him. Luqua's helping you save face mm -hmm. for yourself, right? Mm -hmm. They're they're very good at this. She kind of just steps in and helps you fill the gaps without making you feel bad about yourself. Yep. And Luqua goes on to say, uh, either way, I suppose it's my craft at the forge that has elevated me to the status of, of a symbol, of a candidate of the emperor's virtue. I, I don't like to boast or, or speak too well of my own abilities, but I have been working at the forge ever since I sprang into existence under the spark of the forge master's hammer, and I've been doing everything I can to live up to that, live up to the title of apprentice. Your crescent blades are beautiful. Uh, yes, uh, and he kind of unsheathes them from his belt and kind of holds it, uh, assessing it and kind of allowing Luwa to take a look upon it. M may I? Yes, of course. And he hands over one of the crescent blades for Luwa's assessment. They take one of them and they balance it, and you instantly can tell, just based on how they're holding the weapon, that they are an expert when it comes to these tools of violence and intention. They kind of like balance it against the handle, against the blade, they hold it, they they twirl it, and they do a few cuts with it as mm. though they were used to fighting with a crescent blade. And then they hold out their other hand. May I see the sister? Certainly. And he unhooks it from his belt. He's never heard them being referred to as siblings, and he notes it in his head and passes it over. She takes it and she does like a few forms with it. Wow, they're light like wind, but you hear that? And they clang the blades against themselves and there's like a, a pure like note ringing out. Resonance, perfect harmony, peerless. Say, I would need to get this approved by the Forge Master, but would you be open to me awakening these? Um, oh, oh, awakening them? I think they want to be awakened. I can feel it. They have the potential. Can't you? Here. And Luhua holds both of the handles back to you. I take them in my hands and I look upon them and I say you're kind of like holds them, flicking them between the wrist. Do I? You can still feel the blade vibrating from where Luhua clanged them against each other, holding this wrapped handle. And you're not sure if it's just the vibration from the metal singing 
or if there is something deeper inside the blades, maybe by the fact that you are in the City of Heaven, maybe by the fact that you're surrounded by mist and the font of magic, maybe by the fact that someone has actually told you to just listen for once to your blades, which you have been loath to touch since Sing died. But you feel something deep in the core of that metal, wanting to be let out. I... I hear it. I hear them. And he doesn't mask that surprise, that shock. Huh. Well, then why don't you find me at the White Forge after this? Uh, it's not such an easy case to just awaken weapons. There's a lot of merits that go into it. And I hear you already owe the Heavenly Liaison quite a lot of merits. Word travels rather fast around here. <sighs> why don't you come and work at the Forge? To earn some coin, if you'd like. A lot of our usual helpers have left in the midst of all this mist, pun not intended, so it'd be nice to have another pair of hands working the furnace, and maybe if you prove yourself to the Forge Master, she'll let you awaken your weapons. I... And I think Sayer recognizes this. The throwing of a lifeline when one is drowning, it feels so warm and familiar. It reminds him of her. The way the many times he's found himself in a deep pit, and it's her hand that has reached out to pull him out. Yes, uh, Lord Apprentice Luhua, I that would that would be amazing. I I wanted to I would love to pick your brain more on everything. Excellent, yes, and I would love to get to know you more as well, Sayer. Uh why don't you come with me? Let's try to find the forge master. Um Forge Master! Forge Master! There's someone I'd like you to meet! And Luhua grabs your hand and starts uh. pulling you through the crowd. As you are familiarly tugged along by someone a lot more assured and, and, and forward and bright than you are, we pan across the crowd one last time to find Zainan Esh. Zainan, you've been making your way toward Longhui the heavenly liaison. And unlike Drooling, who is surrounded by so many people, and Luhua, who was also surrounded by people, even unlike Mu Chunjing, who was given like a, a respectful birth by most of the other gods in here, Langkui is like a inverted black hole who repels all of the other divines. It's like they have an aura, no, a miasma vibrating off of his form that just dares anyone to step in his way. He's loitering by a jade pillar, looking at everyone, observing everything as the crowd disperses and the emperor vanishes. And he sees you well before you even decide to walk over to her. Zainan can tell when someone is looking at him for the most part. Also because there's no one else around him to hide. The long way is staring at him. So Zainan kind of falls into this ease that is not his normal pace. And there is a swagger to it as he pulls the merit out from inside of his clothes and just begins to roll it between his fingers as he saunters over. Langhui is leaning against the pillar. The white snake is hissing and rolling across Ta's shoulders. Ta's eyes were fixed on you for half a second as you started to approach, but then she looked away. Those slitted pupils falling onto the ground as they relax their stance. And as you approach without looking at you, Langhui says, You feel it too. 
Don't you? You don't belong here. No point in putting up any pretense about it. Yeah. Hmm. You are not exactly as you seem, cultivator. Few are able to step into the realm of spirits. And yet you do it like it is second nature. Or perhaps first nature. And your mortality and your cultivation is a mask. Hmm. I, um, couldn't help but notice that only you can see it, can feel it. Well, of course. I was once a demon after all. Zynan looks her over. <laughs> uh, not really hiding it. Um, fully from the top of the snake head all the way down to their feet. He looks ta over, astonished, but not afraid. <laughs> You'll have to forgive me. I'm new. The story is not one I've heard. Hmm. Well, you'll hear it sooner or later. Whispered in dark alleyways, slipped out from lips loosened by plum wine. I, the unworthy heavenly liaison, was born a monk on Yaolan. I was not a very good monk, you see. After all, I desired. Hmm. That's the last thing a good monk should do. Desire. I wandered around, figured out that if mortality didn't hold what I was looking for, perhaps divinity did. And after I ascended, I had a choice, as all gods do, the city of heaven, or the underworld. And I... And they lift their hand with a flourish, and you realize that the cold coin of the merit is no longer in your palm. It's between their fingers. I flipped a coin. Heads, I would go to the city of heaven. Tails, I would go to the underworld. It landed on tails. No regrets, though, right? <laughs> you learn quick. Good. Everyone in the underworld does. It is a den of debauchery. A den of fun and worship and nostalgia. Ancestors and incense and sex and food. It served me well for a few hundred years. But then I, again, grew restless. So the city of heaven it is. Where you can scry and learn all the secrets that they're hiding because they're doing all the same things up here. Oh, secrets, secrets. Everyone has secrets. Not everyone knows how to keep them. My talents are a means to an end. We all have our strategies for surviving this game. And based on how they say game, you can tell it's capitalized. They're not just using it as a metaphor. They're referring to something that means something in the city of heaven. You'll have to... Forgive me again, but this game, the Emperor is also involved. What is it exactly? Hmm. 
Are you trying to flatter me by giving me the opportunity to give you a 101? Hmm. Either way, I'll bite. Well, as everyone knows, our great immortal emperor ended the devouring almost a thousand years ago. I believe we're just over 20 years short of the thousand year anniversary of that epoch's end. And now we're in the age of the game. Cannibalism of the divine scale is outlawed. We wage proxy wars using mortals as champions. That's it? That's the game? Yes. And the game pieces are the mortals, and the hands that move them are gods and demons. A much better alternative to the devouring, where the hands sought to throttle each other, and the chessboard was in pieces at our feet. A flare of that fear rises in Zynan very suddenly, thinking of people as chess pieces, thinking of all of the words that he has replaced the shape of a hand reaching out to sing and he crushes that back down again but there's no way that it doesn't show up on his face for a flicker this game there's people caught in the middle there's always people caught in the middle we are but shadows flitting down the current of fate the word fate slaps him across the face and he sets his jaw trying to not express but he is still his heart is racing and he holds his hat very firmly under his arm and it's he's so engrossed in trying to not show it on his face that the brim of his hat curls as he grips it tightly the gambling is just a play compared to all of that don't you think? The gambling is a reminder of a home that used to be nothing more. Mm. You see, there are many such parlors, many such pleasure dens in the underworld. Perhaps it's a little bit of the sentimentality I have left. A little grain of the mortal I used to be still lodged inside my heart. And still, that's where uh, other things happen. I uh, might have seen a thing or two about a scuffle maybe before the mist came in <sighs> Longway cocks her head to the side looks at you with those intense slitted black pupils a scuffle you say yeah would you care to elaborate your office wasn't exactly neat the way you left it right you got the chance to look through my office now, did you? I'm not exactly tethered to one point. Hmm. Well, whatever you think you saw, I recommend you not linger on it for too long. Hmm. I will take your uh, warning in the kind way that you are offering it. Of course, just a friendly heads up. Hmm. Though, there is something about you. Zynan, was it? 
Yes, Zanin. Your face. There was a flicker across it earlier in our conversation. You were thinking of someone, weren't you? Aren't we all just haunted by the faces of those that we carry with us? Hmm. Some of us might be. Perhaps most of us. Others prefer to bury those faces deep, deep, deep down inside where the sun can't reach. But what's interesting about that Zynan ash is how it manifests in the mist. You see, even as a mortal, I was cursed with the ability to see people's last words floating above their heads, taunting me, reminding me. See, that's not so strange for me. I can see your last words above your head. But what is odd are the additional words, someone else's words, floating around you and the other two cultivators you came in here with. Tell me, Zynan Ash, from whose lips did she was right fall? Someone that we cared about very much. Hmm. That much is evident. They haunt you still. I'm not sure if I've ever seen anything quite like it. It lingers on you. I can almost smell it. What is that? Cherry blossoms. You got a point. There's something else, too. I don't think it's from the same source. Feathers. Feathers of some sort of bird-like beast. Not a divine beast of the city of heaven. Something I don't think I've ever seen before. Not from the underworld or the cradle, either. You really are a long way from home, aren't you? Your, uh, your gift is quite remarkable. Yes, it is extremely remarkable, so be careful what you share of what you think you saw in my office. We'll just, uh, hold on to our secrets amongst us. Perfect. Like I said, everybody has secrets. Let's keep it in both of our best interests not to let each other's spill. Yes? Yes, and I also, uh, will keep a few other things I noted that you left out of your presentation today. Longway's eyes narrow. Oh. Oh, I do not take well to being threatened, Zion and Ash. Not a threat. Just a promise. Gotta keep me and mine safe. Then it's a deal. And Longhui extends a hand for you to shake. And Zainan reaches out his gauntleted hand. Their hand is cold and dry, like the bank of a parched up river. And as you shake and you squeeze their fingers against yours, all three of you hear, piercing the hall, like a javelin to the heart. A scream. It is a scream unlike any you have ever heard before. It is a keening, desperate, gibbering yowl that sounds like it was torn from the innermost sanctum of your deepest, most violently repressed nightmares. And just like that, the mist is everywhere. 
It obscures the amethyst pool which surrounds the throne. It obscures the pillars of jade that rise toward a steepled ceiling. It obscures the panicked, shouting gods who mill within the vaulted hall of the emperor's throne room. You suddenly can't see more than three boo ahead of yourself. Stick your arms out and your fingers are lost. And that's when the monster attacks. This episode was edited by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. Our original intro theme music is by Jonathan Charles. Transplaner RPG is supported by our incredible Patreon precepts. Folks pledge to our highest tier on Patreon. A massive thank you to Taylor, Jordan, Derek Davidson, Phil, Mark J, Astrid, Spencer, Lyle and Peanut, Rose, Alex, The Bow System, Cassidy, Lex, Charles, and Cora Eckert. Pledge to our Patreon today for as little as $3 a month to unlock exclusive news, character sheets, GM notes, and even the chance for your tabletop OC to cameo in our show. Until next time, Transplay Nerds!